I have been speaking all over the world as a motivational speaker, specifically for kids, high school kids. There's no better feeling than changing and saving a kid's life from the stage. That is what I love. That is my passion. We are live for another episode of Dental Marketing Theory, and I got some firepower for you today. You're not going to be disappointed, but I need you to make sure that you perk up your ears and you're ready to listen because he moves fast. Sometimes I feel like I have like ADHD entrepreneur energy, and my friend here, he takes it to a whole nother level, and I'm excited to have him today. Uh, Mr. Elijah Desmond, thank you so much for coming on. It's a complete honor, and I cannot wait to dive into our conversation today. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm super excited, and uh, I'll tell you, I I just today's the first day back from a long trip on a cruise ship to Cabo, um, DJing at um, Groove Cruise, and I looked at my schedule. It was so overwhelming, and you kind of like pick apart your day, and I'm like, oh my god, yes, the best call to end today on was yours, this podcast. So thanks for having me. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man, and I'm I'm excited to jump into it. And the first thing I want to ask you is. You were everywhere. So everywhere I turn, there's a you, there's a festival that you're having. You're on a cruise ship. You're DJing. You're at you're doing things inside of dental. You own a dental marketing company. You you also have you're you're consulting for people. You're helping with people, and you used to be a dental hygienist as well, working inside of offices. And you spun that into a bunch of different businesses. Tell me, like, explain from your point of view what you're doing, Elijah, and like, so that someone like myself from the outside could, could kind of understand your entrepreneurship journey that you're on right now. Right. Uh, first off, it's called the world of pivoting. Um, <laughs> there's, <laughs> um, you, you said something about ADHD and I'm going to call it ADD, um, <laughs> attention deficit disorder. I used to be like super duper ADD, um, and chasing squirrels all the time. And, People that don't know me really, really good probably have like no idea, like, what do I actually do? Right. And I used to chase a lot of squirrels for a living, all different colors. And I've actually got really good at only chasing a certain type of squirrel. So, for anybody who followed that, you get it. And if you don't get it, listen closely. So, (laughs) I have been a serial entrepreneur for, um, man, many years. 2009, I graduated from Ohio State University. And, um, I just got, um, it wouldn't be a problem. I would call it, I got an addiction of creating. So like when you find out that you have the ability to create anything you, and you're not afraid to lose and you're not afraid of failure, you just start creating. And so for the longest time, like I graduated in 2009 and I would say my first failure was 2009. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's awesome. And I didn't, I didn't really like lose my feet. Like I I started to not feel failure at 2010 and the rest has been history. And so I've gotten really good at not doing everything or chasing squirrels. Now I still chase them. They just have to be a specific type of squirrel. (laughs) So I love the colorful squirrels. Like I'm chasing them all over, but they're, they're very niche and uh, everything I do is, is fun. And if you say, Elijah, what, what do you do? Um, I can't say there's just one thing that I do. I do multiple things um, in the fun um, fun space. And I'm, I'm actually very centered in those things that I do. So when you ask me that, it's very difficult to explain exactly what I do. But I can I can't tell somebody when before, I would have to say like, I do this, I do this, yeah. I do this, I do this, I do this. Now I can narrow it down into a specific industry and a specific niche. So 
So what is what? So what is your in, what is that industry and what is that niche? Absolutely. So we'll start with the pretty obvious one. It's dental. <laughs> it's the dental industry, um, and in that space, it's events, right? That is what I do. I am events and different. And when I say different, um, that is very intentional. Um, so the the niche is is essentially doing events. I own multiple events, and I bring people together essentially. And so, um, you know, if you've heard of Smiles at Sea before, if if you've heard of uh, the Dental Festival before, there's a lot of other ones, but I'm in the event space and I'm intentionally shaking up the industry in the event space. And I'm bringing vendors together and, and, you know, I've created a vendor conference. That's an event. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm bringing influencers together and doing an influencer conference that is an event, right? In our last influencer conference, I had over 200 of dentistry's influencers wow. all in one space. Um, Gary, you said, and thanks for the, for the, I don't know if it was intended to be a compliment or not, but I took it as one. You said, Elijah, you're like everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like no, every time a- I pop, pop open a social media or this, that, like you're everywhere. And it, it it's not necessarily intentional. It's just because of the conferences and the events and Mm -hmm. the people, though, more than anything. That's my why and my my passion is helping people. And because I'm in the influencer space of of helping people and uplifting people, um, those people do one thing. They they like to gather around each other. They like to build each other. They like to help support each other. And if you're in the event space um, and they're participating in those events, then I, as a byproduct, happen to be everywhere with them because I'm uplifting them and I'm helping them um, do that. And and I I should back up for just a second. Sorry about the squirrels. Um, I am by nature and what I do since 15 years old, I'm 35 now, is I am a motivational speaker. So I have been speaking all over the world as a motivational speaker, specifically for kids, high school kids. There's no better feeling than changing and saving a kid's life from the stage. That is what I love. That is my passion. So naturally coming into this industry, I am always already empowering and helping people and influencers and speakers. And so when I come into a, a, a new space like a LinkedIn that I've not been in for longer than uh, a year, year and a half, uh, it's easy to to essentially relate to and communicate with those people. Uh, why? Uh, well, because I'm motivating them. I'm inspiring them by telling truthful stories. I don't have somebody posting for me. I don't have an editor at all. Matter of fact, you look at some of my, that's my posts. Favorite, like, that's my favorite post when you're like, hey, just so everybody knows, I have typos. I have sometimes I'm posting from my phone or <laughs> I'm posting from my, you know, my bedroom or whatever. And so just deal with it. And I, I love those <laughs> like transparent posts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But essentially, I'm helping to bring the, the industry together and, and helping them to um, understand that it's okay to be their authentic self. It's okay to create. It's okay to fail. Um, and that's, that's me, um, creating all the time and failing all the time too. And whenever I win, I'm always telling a story about how I failed first. And I think people respect you more uh, for that than always talking about how you won. Yeah. Cause like it doesn't seem realistic for people. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, and that's kind of what social media has become, right? It's become old marketing when you and I probably first got started in marketing was you created a very pretty picture with a very pretty message and there, everything had to be perfect. And it was, it was, there's very much a process to that. Now marketing is kind of peeking behind the curtain and showing how the meat's made, how the sausage is made. 
And one thing that you said there at the beginning is that you learned how to fail. Could you tell me the story of where you failed and where you kind of went wrong with failure and now how you've repackaged it and made it more into a, a part of the success process? Oh man, absolutely. Um, when you asked that question and there was no prep for this, it's like all improv almost, right? It's just talking you and I, right, Gary? And so when you said, you know, when was the first time that you failed? The first time that I can remember me failing um, was as a kid when I didn't know who I was yet. So um, my mother is white and my dad is black. And I was raised on a big, huge farm on the weekends. And then I went into the city. Um, I'm sorry, on the weekdays. I went into the city on the weekends and, and a couple weeks in the summer. And I didn't know if I was supposed to be white or black. I didn't know if I was supposed to wear a Tommy Hill figure and, and sag my pants a little bit um, uh, or, or, and FUBU or if I was supposed to wear Abercrombie and pop my collar. And my biggest failure was trying to be white and trying to be black and trying to wear clothes that were around my surroundings. And Gary, I'm sure that you have seen me at multiple events and you may notice that oftentimes I don't really look like most people. <laughs> yeah. And oh yeah. Yeah. You're definitely have your own flavor. Yeah. And I, and you know what? I feel uh, like I fit in, but you know, the reason why is because I'm being myself. So the biggest failure that I had was trying to be someone who I'm not. Mm. And that was the, the number one failure that I had very early. And then I learned to just be me. So I'm not, not just white or just black. I am biracial. I'm mixed. And I don't have to wear FUBU or Tommy Hilfiger or a, 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 a flavor of clothing that goes with the ethnicity. I actually can wear Tommy jeans with an Abercrombie shirt with my pop collar. And I don't have to speak hood uh, or speak with a certain uh, Ebonics or dialect. I can speak squeaky Elijah with a this or that word because guess who it is? It is my authentic self. So uh, the, the end of that story is, is being my authentic self was the best decision that I ever made in my entire life and the biggest lie that I have ever uh, created in my own head was I had to be someone else. That is the biggest lie or failure that I ever had. And as soon as I embraced that, life changed forever. All of a sudden, I came. I had so many friends. And before, I was not accepted well. But the reason why is because it was me being fake or trying yeah. to trying be to who I wasn't. Yeah, 100%. And you know, I heard I heard somebody actually bring up recently, I forget where I heard it. They said, if you want to have your ideas never to be stolen, just be authentic because no one will be able to ever copy you. It, there's, it's impossible yes. to copy somebody who's being authentic. Just like what you said, you said, I show up and I look different because I'm just being myself and that happens to be different than everybody else. And I absolutely... Uh, totally agree with that. Like if you, you have to, and I think everybody goes through that journey, right? Because when we're young, we don't know how to respond to the environment around us. We have to learn how to respond. And there's a lot of mechanisms that we use to do that. So how did you translate that? Because the thing I kind of hooked on to was you said early on uh, in your business, you said, I started a business in 2009. I failed in 2009, but it wasn't until 2010 that I really learned how to fail in business what take me through that process? What did you mean by that? Absolutely. So you know, I was in this this business of I, I started a temp agency. It was my first business, right? And um, 
it was a temp agency in Hawaii. That's where I practiced as a dental hygienist uh, when I first got out of college. And um, that temp agency, it was created from a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I was riding the bus. I lived in a studio in Hawaii. I had no vehicle. I was looking out of the bus window thinking like, man, I want to drive that Ferrari or that Range Rover one day. I was looking at the high rises thinking I'm going to stay at more than the studio one day. And um, I had all these dreams and aspirations. <clears throat> and, um, you know, th- there was that temp agency I started. And sure, I had some some business failures during that. And it was the grind, you know, these cheap pla- uh, paper business cards and, you know, the, the little printed from Walmart pieces of paper and all these things like these, those are like little failures. <laughs> those are like little failures for me in the world of branding that I just didn't understand. And then uh, in 2010, I created um, one of my second businesses. It was a consulting business and the consulting business uh, essentially was a business that I had created after going and temping myself out to all of these different dental practices Whenever I was, I started the temp agency with me, and I when I sold the business successfully, I ended up having eighty dental professionals. But at first, it was just little old me and the few uh, dental hygienists, uh, and then eventually dentists and assistants that I had. And I started a consulting agency because I had looked at all these other consulting agencies and thought, man, that's awesome. But I'm going to bring like motivational speaking into the consulting space and do it differently, right? And I like built that and I built that up and it was pretty successful. I stopped consulting just because I felt like I was like a um, broken. What do you record. call the people who like listen to people complain all the time? Yeah. You just become yeah. a broken record where you're just a psychiatrist, but then you're also yeah. having just to repeat the same thing over and over and over again. Like, yeah. It, uh, yeah. I'm like, it's not for me. I need to just be on stage and speak. And like, if you like it, you like it. If you don't see ya, buy them off to the next city. Right. <laughs> um, but the, the, the big, giant realization there was that I was almost like going and recreating. Uh, Once again, I made a big failure in business. I was like going and saying, you're a consultant, you're a consultant, you're a consultant, you're a consultant. I'm going to go be a consultant too, but I'm just going to do it like better and my spin. Big failure. I was still trying to be somebody else and all these Mm -hmm. people. I look at one of my very good friends today. It's a perfect example. Wendy Briggs. I seen Wendy Briggs jump on this stage of a screen, like a website. She was walking on the stage of her own website. It was like 3D animation, her walking. I'll never forget it. I'm like, oh my God, I want to be like her. And then I like look at this other amazing guy named Bernie Stoltz with Fortune Management. Like, oh my God, I want to be like him. And um, I was doing all these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, but I'm going to do it my way. I did that. I built that business. It was, we had 23 offices that I was consulting across the entire United States. And I realized like, I'm over here chasing somebody else's dream. I'm still like not even being me or doing me or living my authentic self. This is not for me. So I stopped doing it. But so it was a learn. It was a failure for me. Did I fail in the business? I failed myself because it it really wasn't like me going and chasing like my, my own thing. And it was like then that it clicked, like I need to go and create something that's just me. And that's essentially what I, how I go and try to do what I'm doing in the industry um, is go and create these new brand new type of yeah. things. That's really cool. I, I So for me, I, my journey was a little bit different, but I have the same uh, problem with squirrels, right? Like I could literally start a new business every single day if you let me. And yeah. what I learned is something, a little tool that I learned to help me for those that are listening um, is 
obviously what Elijah is saying, spot on. And for me, I kind of did it internally inside of our company. What I did was, is I realized I'm the make it up person. I'm the one that goes, oh, look at this opportunity over here, which there's endless amounts of opportunity. But then I needed someone to make it real. So I needed someone to help me come alongside me, make it into a real thing that actually operates. And I'm okay doing that part too for a little bit. But then there's the make it recurring person. And I hate, Elijah, the worst thing, like you, if you want me to fail, go put me in a job where I repeat doing the same thing over and over and over again, which, yeah, you're with me, right? So I once I learned that, that there's these three kinds of people out there, I find myself gravitating towards the make it real and the make it recurring people because I can't be successful without them because I will make the thing up and then I'll be like, all right, guys, bye. And I'll dump it. And if people aren't ready to to do that and take that on, then it's just a failure. I end up failing, right? And it's like and learning that little nuance was so big for me. It, it just really transformed the way I look at my business even. And what I get to do every day is I, I get to focus on the things that I love. Now, for you, you're you're really focusing on these events. You're trying to make them better. Tell me, I want to like peek behind the curtain of these events because here's the thing. Events aren't easy. Events, people, it's it's very, it's like going to a restaurant. It's so easy to just be like, yeah, it was all right. Or yeah, it was a great experience, but the food was okay. Or food was amazing, but the waiter was eh, right? So it's so easy just to be dismiss, uh, dismiss a restaurant or dismiss an event. But there's so much that goes into it. So can you give me a story about what these events are like to put on and then how you're how you're evolving it and making it better and different? Absolutely. Well, first, um, I will tell you that it is impossible for me to put out an event without having like the best team behind me. Yep. And my team is everything. And I'm just that person that you said, the visionary, the person that had this really good idea, and I would be nothing without my team. And so um, putting it on, it happens with an amazing team behind you. I also would say that um, every every company, every organization, whether it's a, a small organization that has a team of 20 uh, or a large organization that has 100, or I'll go to a lar- uh, even larger organization like an, uh, a Heartland Dental, right? They just had an event. I just DJed their event or Aspen Dental. I'm DJing their event here um, next month. Um, it, it, regardless, everybody needs to have an event of some sort that in-person, um, touch, feel, hug is everything. And it, it starts from the, the planning out, uh, process starts at the, the very beginning from the themes. And I feel that that is what was missing the most in our industry was the themed events and themed gatherings. And that actually came from me being in a fraternity at Ohio State University, being in a frat, Right. There's th- they call them TGs, themed gatherings, and those uh, themes really um, have evolved. I feel like my events, and I actually coach other people on throwing big events and mm. taking mm. events from ideas to putting hundreds of people uh, or up to a thousand people, uh, like my event, uh, in one um, in one room. And so, basically, the themes are everything, and then surveying your people to essentially see like, what do they want? Because I could want anything, yeah. but I am irrelevant, <laughs> yeah. right? I wanted, like I created a dental festival and I wanted to create this seven day conference or six day conference where I had many different conferences that came into a venue during that seven day. Like I wanted that really bad. And, but that was personal. 
the the industry was they wasn't ready <laughs> like they weren't <laughs> they weren't ready for it like anywhere I way I spun it like it's okay your resources like use them once not five different events or twenty they can all come and but people just can't hang for that long right like they they can't do it so what did I do I had to put surveys out and I had to learn um, you know what city do people want to go to ask your people. Okay, you know, put it all on a survey, see where they want to go. How many times a day do they want to spend in class? You know, what do they want? Um, Where's your money being spent? So like surveying people and your teams and themes to me is everything in planning an event, a successful event. That's awesome. And that's really, really great insight. What, What was the most popular city? What's the city that everybody wants to go to? Oh my gosh, hands down Nashville. Really? Okay. Yeah. Nashville. So I have like my email list is I have, I have like 56,000 subscribers on my list and I use that list often. Um, and this is how I come up with surveys with thousands of people on them. And then I have all these different social media channels and private social media groups. My biggest group has 22,000 members in it. And I use surveys for everything. Nashville blew out every single city in the entire country. Why do you think that is? Is it because it's centralized or is it... Um, it's up and coming Vegas. Yeah, it's it is it is what Vegas used to be. It's up and coming Vegas, and I'm sorry, I'm a data guy, and you can't argue with numbers. <laughs> and it, it is it blows out everywhere for simple numbers. Where do people want to go? It's yeah. Nashville. We just had our event in Nashville, and the numbers blew out everywhere so much that I actually wanted to have another event in Nashville like this next year, and I had to go with number two, and it was New Orleans. So New Orleans came in number two. So we're having our next festival in next September in New Orleans. And even though I couldn't have Nashville, I went with number two. Number three was San Diego. Mm, and it was, awesome. it was, it was, I'm going to call it a tie, but really they were off by only a couple of votes with Key West. And the reason why, like most people could have their event in Key West, but since we're dealing with now projected over a thousand people at our, our, our fourth land event and what is it going to be like 16 months or 20 months, um, we don't have a venue big enough for us at yeah. Key West. Yeah, so the yeah. dreamer, the squirrel of me wants to go create a venue. Like they don't have a conference center. <laughs> so now you're in, yeah, you're going to build out the whole, <laughs> yeah, you got to build out a hotel and the whole nine yards. That's awesome. Know. So, These so girls. now let's move over to influencers because, yes. so tell me kind of, so influencers are awesome. I think uh, it, it's great to have influencers. I think um, we like every industry has them. I think it's needed to get things out. And those early adopters, influencers are always the early adopters, but there's, then there's the ugly side of influencing. And like Kim Kardashian's a big influencer, probably one of the biggest. She just got, uh, in big trouble for pumping crypto. Right. And she just got fined like millions of dollars for doing that. And she probably made tens of millions of dollars off of it, but she got fined millions of dollars off of that. And she's kind of pumping things that maybe she didn't really believe in or didn't really know a lot about. Um, where it, it, Dental is very new to influencers, right? So there's not a ton of influencers and it's much more of an infant stake if you compared it to some other industries. Tell me the, the great side of dental influencers and then kind of tell me about the dark side of dental influencing, either how it impacts people or that like the Kim Kardashian kind of example. Absolutely. I'm going to touch on the great more than the dark, just because that's, that's Elijah. <laughs> I'm going to touch on the dark just because I want to be there for, for a uh, uh, one minute. So whatever you are 
whenever you come to power, and when I say when you come to power, meaning that whenever you gain your influence, influence means that people listen to you. You have the ability to influence decisions. When you gain the influence, you have the ability to essentially be the the hero or the villain, right? And for people that are listening, I want you to just listen to who is who is always the hero or always a villain or can do both, right? But hear me clearly. If someone is almost always the villain, you should listen closer and investigate yourself. And I'm going to leave it at that, okay? Mm. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that on that piece. Um, I personally surround myself with very positive people, and I spend my time on people who are focused on empowerment, collaboration, and helping one another. And I can tell you that there's a lot of amazing things happening in our industry, and it's changing um, very fast. Um, influencer marketing is changing in our industry as we know it today. As a matter of fact, I actually uh, I hung out with uh, the sixth largest influencer um, on TikTok uh, just recently before I got on this last cruise. His name is Michael Lee. He's one of the most amazing humans. He's 21 years old. He was in my wedding uh, proposal. Uh, amazing uh, mom, Tina Lee, and a, a son named Jonathan. They're both amazing people. We were talking about influencer marketing <clears throat> and where it's going and that type of stuff. Understand that the products and services that a lot of the influencers are using, um, most people right now, most influencers I would say that I know, are trying these products themselves. They like it, they love it, and they're talking about it. And I think that that's pretty genuine, right? Yeah. If they're not yeah. using it, though, they're stating the words, I have not used this myself, but tell me about it, right? Yep. That's, yep. All, like, that's an influencer that's authentically interviewing something, right? Instead of just being um, essentially not authentic and promoting things just for dollars, right? And so... But what's good, what you're going to see is a huge shift, and I'm going to call it early, and I've seen it, and then Michael just confirmed it. And um, the shift is going to be, you're going to see a lot of these influencers that are, that are switching from promoting so much of other people's products to yep. creating their yep. own product lines and services. And you're first going to see merch stores that are popping up, and some of them have already have happened. The merch stores will happen, and after the merch stores happen – then you're going to see like, for example, in the past year, you've seen um, maybe two or three, maybe four aligner companies pop up, right? Those aligner companies, and there's nothing wrong with them. I want that. Yeah. I wish them nothing but the best, right? But they're not Invisalign. They're not ClearClick. They popped up quick. They came up yep. hot. Now, what is stopping one of the major industry influencers that's on IG, that's on TikTok from going and creating their own type of aligner? Okay? Yeah. So- the influencer marketing that's happening is going, I think, I feel is going to take a huge swing to promoting their own things. Why? Because I think industry follows the, the standard. The standards are the, the Michael Lees or the, whether we like it or not, Kim K's of the world, because yeah. influencer marketing, I believe, is going to take over the dental space, into the dental space. Um, and, we, and there's all different types of influencers. At our influencer conference that we just had in Nashville, we had uh, just over 100 speakers. We had about 40 DSO influencers. We had uh, 40 social media influencers um, and from all over the world, not just the United States, which was pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. Uh, we had 20 podcasters and we had 50 consultants. 
all different buckets of influence. So you can get into the different types of, we can have a whole podcast on I mean, it's yeah. my jam yeah, is yeah. influencer marketing. So that's really cool. So I, I totally agree with you. Like I look at like somebody like the Bentist, he has almost 13 million followers on TikTok, millions of followers on IG. He only has two ortho practices, right? And you can't really scale that influence to multiple ortho offices. So he started selling toothbrushes, which is a product. And then, then, but like you're saying, you could have a way bigger influence if he was to work with invisible aligners. That's way bigger opportunity. Is that kind of what you're talking about there? hundred percent what I'm talking about. If he goes out and like, I just talked to a, a, a white label aligner company this morning. Okay. They have 70% market share in Europe. How do they do it? This is how they did it. They did it because they went and worked with other companies who wanted to create their own aligner. Well, that's their back end. That's their white label company. No different than if they met somebody like the Bentist, he believed in their product. He watched them transform somebody's smile. He made that his and he created something like a, not saying that he would, but say he created a smile direct or he created an Invisalign. He went direct to consumer or he created his own brand. That, That brings him, that makes him create his own empire his own ultimate wealth forever. That's what well, I think that that's going to be the next. Step. Oh, totally agree. And and the thing that people miss a lot of times, it's like, this has already happened, but it just happened in different ways in the past. So in the past, if, if someone wanted to sell a bunch of implants, they would go to Dan Marino and they'd say, hey, Dan Marino, we want to sell a bunch of implants and we want you to be our sponsor. And then they would pay him a million bucks or whatever. He would come do television commercials. They would put those television commercials everywhere. That's the old model. And that worked really well for a long time. Now we have the new model where you have influence and you have influencers and it's, it's, it's more micro economy. It's a gig economy, which actually fits into the B2B side a lot smoother. Um, and dentistry is a little bit trickier because I actually have talked to, I actually talked to one, I had her on this podcast actually, and she, she works for a DSO and she is a huge, she has tons of followers and she only sees about 20 new patients a month. And in, in her 20, 30 new patients a month at her practice, it didn't really influence the number of new patients that she saw, but it created other opportunities. So there's there's some nuance there, I think, that is still being developed. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy you see the world of influence as well. Actually, I think this is probably a great time to even make this announcement. I'm not told anybody yet. Let's we're go. actually, and we're just finalizing the name, we're having something called the Socials for Dentistry that will be in New Orleans. It's the end of our influencer conference. And it is intended, we're taking all these nominees across all social channels, right? LinkedIn, Facebook, IG, YouTube, and Facebook. And we'll have 10 nominees come from each. And we basically will give the influencer award out for each of the different categories. And I'm super excited for it. I'm in talks with doing something similar with the person who determines the podcast world as well. So I can't let that leak yet, but um, hopefully my buddy Chance will uh, line up the dates and we'll give his award away uh, during that time as well, along with, oh my goodness, we're on video. I can show this, right? Yeah, yeah, show it. I'll describe it for those that are listening on audio. Yes, <laughs> they'll have FOMO. Oh, I already, oh, it's like and a WWF. Oh man, the comeback award. Yeah, so this is, the, this is a big, huge, like the same belt, same company that makes WWE's belt. Um, this is the Dentistry's Got Talent Speaking Awards. This is my event 
the dentistry's got talent award for speakers. And so we'll give that That's award so cool. out at the, at the socials as well. So yeah, I'm super excited about the, the influencer space, if you can't tell. And um, also what's very important to know as well is, is like somebody can become an influencer. This is not just for the, you know, Dr. Bill Dorfman's of the world or the, the Brian Harris's, which love them both. Um, it, it's also for people who aspire to, you know, make a bigger impact, but only if they want to be the hero, not the villain. <laughs> I'm team, team, they got team Elijah on their side if they want to make a bigger impact and be the hero. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, Elijah, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? If you want to learn more about what you're doing, how, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Absolutely. I'm either go to the smiles at sea website, um, dental festival, I would say, but honestly, the easiest way, just go to LinkedIn. I'm super accessible. That's me. That's me. You're talking to right. Facebook, Instagram, just type in Elijah Desmond. I'm super reachable. Um, Instagram is DJ smiles, DJ underscore smiles, underscore LinkedIn. Is this my name? Elijah Desmond. Um, and, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. Facebook, same thing, Elijah Desmond. Well, um, I'm going to, I want to have this conversation again, so I'm going to reach back out to you. I want to have a whole, I want to talk about the whole influencer side of things with you. I think, I think that's the future and I totally agree with you. And I know you have a unique perspective because of all the, not only you as an influencer, but I, I want to talk again about that. So this has been a great conversation. I always learn a ton. I always get a ton of good energy from you and, uh, I can't wait to, um, get this episode out, man. Sounds good. Thanks, Gary. Thanks so much. <laughs> 